Thanks so much. Thank you guys for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Also want to say hello to our online audience. Thanks for being a part of our services as well. The last week I got a chance to meet a guy who just got out from God Behind Bars. And so it was so good to see him. And I just confirmed, I was like, you didn't break out. You were let out, right? Just, just to make sure. So it was great to see him. He's doing really well with his family. And it's exciting because he was in our God Behind Bars ministries. Now he's coming to church, which is great. And so I love to see that. Isn't that cool to know that's happening? It's great stuff. So he's doing well. Today I'm talking about instant relationship change. Are there some things we can do to immediately see improvement in our marriage and our relationships? And there really is. And so I'm excited about talking about this today. Before we get into that, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do at Church Unlimited? We are all about what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. I love talking about relationship stuff. There's so much to cover. But I want to ask a question to start off with. Have any of you ever done something totally stupid or foolish in the name of love? Let's be honest right now. How many of you guys have done something ridiculous that you're like, only because I love this person would I do that, right? We've all done that, right? So when I was in college, Jessica and I were dating and, uh, and we were talking and she just casually said one po- at one point, man, it would have been so cool if I would have known you in high school. We could have gone to prom together. I was like, yeah, that would have made my prom a lot better too. That would have been really cool. And so then I thought, I think I'll throw her a prom. So I thought, let me just do a prom for her. So I made a mixtape. Now, everyone below the age of 30, there's this thing called a tape. (laughs) So I made this mixtape, right? So I made that and I said, get dressed up. I'm going to take you on your own prom. So then, (laughs) this is where it gets ridiculous. So then I got a cardboard box and cut out of it a tiara. Basically, like I want her to be the prom queen I call it the prom queen hat. She says it's actually called Tierra. I said, oh, I didn't know that. So anyways, so I made this thing and I'm telling you, it looks like a fourth grader made it. It's so bad. And so I'm not very arts and crafty at all, but I, I still made it. She still has this 26 years in the marriage. She has this still. She will never throw this out because she remembers the memory of this. And so I, had, so I made this. Then I made her a mom and she had to tell me later, like, you do know that that's only for homecoming. I was like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know that. So... So she had, I had it all covered. You know, she's like the prom queen and homecoming queen. You're all that, you know? So, so anyway, so, so I made that too. And so it was great that we went out and, and we, we, you know, we, we had dinner at a real nice place, got dressed up. And then we went back to her dorm room and we had like a little dance, just the two of us right there. And the dance was just dancing. It was not dancing, dancing. It was dancing. Don't confuse that. We were good little boys and little girls, I promise. But it was really kind of a special thing. So it's just stuff like that you do that you just kind of crazy. How many of you guys have done something crazy like that? Maybe for you, it was you drove, you know, halfway across the country to see them for an hour. You know, just like we didn't have any time to see each other, but we just wanted to meet and just see each other and have an hour and have dinner. And then we had to go back, you know, or maybe for you, it was like you had $500 in your bank account. You're totally broke. And, you know, but there are these concert tickets and you know, they love them. So you spent all of it on the concert tickets, right? Those kind of things are the things you do. that are just foolish, but you just love them. And you do it because you're crazy about them. So I thought about more recent events. You know, lately, uh, my wife loves it when I fix stuff around the house or do things for her like that. So she's all about acts of service. She loves that. And so she keeps mentioning that she's really been wanting one of these ring doorbells, you know? So I was like, okay, I'll get you a ring doorbell. It's no problem. So I went in to get one and they were like, it costs this much. And this is much, how much more it is if you want someone to install it. And I realized, hold on, my wife loves it when I do acts of service. I was like, no, I'll install it myself. Of course, I had no idea what I was about to get into because I'm so bad at this stuff. So here I am. I've got a drill in my hand. I'm working with electricity. This is just stupid for me to be done. I mean, bad combo. And so anyway, so I, had to, I, I turned the power off, this whole thing. And so I, I, I finally said, Cole, 
when mom sees I'm doing this work, she's going to freak out. So please take a picture of this and send it to her. This is the picture. I just, it was pretty bad, but I was dedicated to it. So there I am working. And so she has a ring doorbell now. It probably took me five to six hours, which a regular person could have done in 30 minutes. <laughs> but I did this for her, right? And so the thing is, it's amazing what we'll do, right? And they love, because you, you'll just be foolish for those you love. You're like, I don't know how to do this, but I'll do it for you, right? That's kind of stuff you do. So I thought about that. I thought, you know what? We, we tend to do more for someone we're, we're in pursuit of, right? You'll, you'll do crazy things for someone that, that you love, that you're pursuing, right? And so when I thought about that, that there's a truth that you need to know about this, though. Here, here's the truth. This is a little painful, but I want to start off with this truth because this is just a, this, I'm not trying to call you out or call me out. We're just, this is the truth of all of humanity. And here's the truth. The truth is this. By nature, we tend to pursue what we don't have. The problem with that is, is that once you have that person, you tend to get a little lazy on the pursuing because you're like, I already got them. Why do I need to throw her on prom? Why do I need to you know, drive half across the country? We're already together now, right? We're good, right? So we kind of get a little bit lazy. But think about this for a second. Is there anything else in your life that you could be lazy in and expect great results from? If you decide, you know, I'm going to kind of come in late today at work and I'm just going to kind of put in my time, I'm going to kind of mail it in, if so to speak, just kind of, you know, do what I need to do to get by minimum rung you know, take a little extended lunch, leave a little early. It's no big deal. If you do that regularly, do you think it's fair to expect a bonus or a raise or a promotion? No, we all know. No, that person's not going to get very far. We all know that person in our office. They're not doing too well financially. Why? Because they're not given that much. They can't really expect to have some high flying career, right? Or maybe, maybe you're a little lazy and you don't really like to work out much and you just kind of want to eat whatever you want. Well, it's kind of fair then to expect you're probably not going to have the physique you want, if you don't work out hard and, and eat right, right? So we kind of know that just comes with it. If you're going to be the way, you can't expect to have a good physique. Then why is it that we are expecting all of this romance and passion and sex and all this great stuff that can come with a really high-flying marriage, but we're not putting really much yeah. into it? And so I want to challenge you today that you can turn your own marriage around, your own relationship around by simply reinvesting, re-pouring back into the one that you love. And so if you're going to take some notes, would you write this down? First thing is this. One is quit being lazy in your marriage. Pursue your spouse today. Pursue them again. You're, but I've already caught them. I know, but pursue them anyways. And so here's what that means. Let me show you a couple of scripture on this. It says in Genesis 2, verse 24, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now the whole become one flesh means what you think it means. It means that they were having sex, right? So they were, they, they were consummating the marriage and they were, you know, whatever, right? Okay. But the first part says that he was united to his wife. The word united in the original language means it says debak. So united means debak. Say debak. Debak means this. It means the root word debak means to cling or adhere to, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. That doesn't sound as cool when you say it like I debak you. Doesn't sound that cool. You're like, what is, I don't know what that means. But it means I want to pursue you with affection. I'm going after you, like I'm, I'm in pursuit of you. Now, there's some other places in Scripture that uses the word debak. Let me show you a couple more. It says in Psalm 63, 8, it says, I follow close behind you. This is also the favorite verse of those who are stalkers. But anyways, <laughs> what this means, sorry, I just had to point that out. It means 
I'm pursuing you. I'm, I'm chasing after you, okay? It, it says in Judges 20, it says they pursued hard after them. This is another place where it says they debacked them, right? And so you're pursuing someone. We wanna pursue God. We wanna pursue our spouse, pursue the one that you love. Sometimes, sometimes people say, yeah, I mean, that sounds cool, but man, our marriage is just kind of, eh, you know, like I look at their marriage and it seems awesome. Their marriage, he's going great. Ours isn't going that great. What you're saying is the grass is greener over there, right? But maybe the grass is greener over there because they're watering it. So if you'll water your grass, then maybe it'll go from brown to green again, right? And so, you know, the only thing in a garden that grows without any cult cultivation is weeds. Everything else requires some tender, loving care. Everything else requires some work put into it. So I want to challenge you. If you just leave your garden alone, you're going to get weeds, right? Same way with your marriage. If you just kind of just coast it's just not gonna be what you thought it would be. The problem is not them. The problem is, am I still pursuing them? So I wanna challenge you to begin to pursue them again. And so pursue hard after them. There's a beautiful uh, scripture in Genesis 29. It's a beautiful story in scripture. It's really cool. It's about a guy named Jacob. Jacob falls in love with a girl named Rachel. Now here's the deal. Rachel had an older sister named Leah. So Laban is her dad. So basically the scripture, sometimes scripture can be so honest, it seems a little cruel. It actually says Leah uh, basically did not have a sparkle in her eye, okay? So she, she wasn't very good looking. It's basically saying she's the sister that had the good personality. That's what it means, okay? <laughs> then it says Rachel, really says that. It says Rachel was beautiful with a lovely figure, okay? So she had it going on, okay? And so Jacob was like, I'm all about Rachel, right? I don't, I'm interested in Rachel, I'm in love with her. So he goes to Laban, their dad, and says, hey, Laban, I, I, wanna, I wanna marry your daughter. He says, which one? Rachel. And he says, okay. And uh, he says, okay, well, you can do that, but you, you need to work for me for seven years to be able to marry my daughter. He's like, okay. Doesn't even hesitate. Like you're thinking, seven? I mean, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let, me, let me think about this a second. <laughs> seven years? I mean, that's a long time. You know, I mean, Rachel must have really had it going on, right? You're willing to commit seven years of your life. So he says, I'll work for you for seven years. If at the end of that seven years, you let me marry your daughter, Rachel. So Laban says, sure, no problem. So seven years, look at the scripture. This is really cool. Check it out. It says in Genesis 29, verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Isn't that beautiful? So I mean, he, I mean, he was in pursuit big time, right? Seven years comes and goes, right? He, and so then it's wedding day. He's gonna marry this girl. Now, ancient Jewish weddings were not the same as we do them today. You think weddings are expensive now? Ha <laughs> you have no idea. A Jewish wedding was four or five days long. You're expected to feed everyone, house everyone, open bar. Could you imagine the bill? I mean, this is crazy, right? Okay, and so that's what happens. So the open bar got a little out of hand, apparently, the first night. He drinks too much. He goes to his chamber to go to bed, right? And so he's laying in bed and he's apparently drunk enough, doesn't realize it, but Laban brings in Leah. So he doesn't even know it, he's so drunk. This is another reason why you should not overdrink, by the way, just in case you're <laughs> needing some reason. There's a good reason. And we laugh, but the truth is people overdrink all the time and end up in bed with someone they didn't expect. So basically at this point, right? He drinks, overdrinks, he sleeps with Leah. He wakes up the next morning, can you... <laughs> Can you imagine? You wake up next morning, you're like, ah! He's like, no! Lee's sitting there like, hey! So this is not good. <laughs> I'm sorry, we need to edit this. This is not. Pray for your pastor. I'm barely saved. Let's just be honest here, okay? So, so basically, he sleeps with the wrong girl. He goes to Laban. He's like, what have you done to me? And Laban admits what he's done. He's like, I know it was wrong. I'm sorry. 
But in our culture, the oldest daughter is supposed to get married first before the younger daughter, excuse me, before the younger daughter. And so I'm just, I'm really sorry. And so, I mean, I'm, I'll be like, that's sorry ain't enough, man. Are you kidding me? Like, uh uh-uh. uh. I'd be furious, right? But he's like, okay, but I still love Rachel. I want to marry Rachel. And he says, all right, here's what I'll do. I'll let you marry Rachel if you'll work for me for seven more years. He literally pulled this off. This guy is a negotiator. Laban's amazing. I'm like, wow, I want you negotiating all my house deals, everything I ever do. You're negotiating my car deal, whatever, right? And so he says, seven more years. And you know what he says? Okay. He says, I'll do it. Now, what most people think is that he worked seven more years, then he married Rachel. That's not what scripture says. The scripture says, then he married Rachel immediately. And then here's a beautiful imagery I want to lay, lay down for you. Then he works seven more years for a girl he already had. Isn't that beautiful? Now, for those of you who got hung up on the hold on, he's married to sisters. Okay, I know that's Mari Povich. I realize that. <laughs> so let me explain for those of you who want to say, wait a minute, so polygamy is okay? Do we all need to move to Utah? What's going on here? No, that's not what we're <laughs> suggesting. <laughs> I get myself in so much trouble up here. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> The Bible is a progressive revelation. What that means is that often you'll see stories that seem really jacked up in the beginning, and by the end of the Bible, you see that it gets, it, it gets resolved. Here's what I mean. Marriage, it says in the Bible, is a picture of Christ in the church. Our marriage is supposed to be that. Well, let's talk about Christ in church. Well, in the Old Testament, there was lots of gods until they figured out there was only one true God. Yeah. So you start off with lots of gods, ended up with really there was one. So guess what? Old Testament, lots of wives. And they finally figured out there's only really supposed to be one. Make sense? So the Bible's not confirming, uh, or, you know, it's not saying polygamy is right. It's just saying that this, this process shows us how it really should be done. So I just want to clarify that. But I think it's beautiful the fact that Jacob worked for a girl he already had, pursued a girl he already had. I've been married 26 years, and I want to continue to pursue the girl I already have. That's God's picture for you and me to stay in pursuit so let me just talk to the singles real quick for a second. We've got a lot of singles in our church, and so I just want to mention this real quick. If you are single at whatever campus you're at right now, here's what I want, I want to just want to tell you what the point would be for you here. You say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Actually, it does. Because if you're dating someone and the pursuit is not equal, if, you're, if you feel like you're putting in more than they're putting in or they're putting in more than you're putting in, I would, highly, I would, I would pull back and, and question whether that's someone you should continue to date. Because if you're not happy with the level they're pursuing you now, typically when you get married, the pursuit drops off a bit. So if you're not happy now, you're really probably not going to be happy once you get married. So I want to highly recommend you see that as a sign from God that this probably is not the one. I know that may seem really painful to some of you, but instead of blaming me, maybe you just recognize I didn't cause it. I just unveiled it. It was already there. So I want to challenge you to reconsider whether that's the person you should be with. It's okay to break up. Nothing wrong with that. Don't go there and go, God told me to break up. Don't do, don't do the God thing. No, please don't do that. Just say, I think this isn't it. I think you're a great person. I think this isn't it. You don't have to give all the 15 other explanations. In fact, anything you say at that point will be held against you. Anything. So just, you know. But I just want to encourage you. God has someone for you. And singles, the reason I want to say this is because you are worth their pursuit. So if they're not pursuing you, the issue isn't why won't they pursue me? The issue is why do you have such a low self-esteem, low belief in yourself that you're okay with the fact of being with someone that won't pursue you? You are worth more than that. You are worth someone pursuing you. I want to encourage you. So back to those who are in a relationship. I want to talk to you real quick if I can. So what do you do? How, How do you do this? How do you pursue someone? Number two, would you write this down? Act on your good intentions. So when you have a fleeting thought like, it'd be really cool to do that. Why don't you just go ahead and do that? 
Instead of just thinking about it, like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. I should, I should write my wife a love note. And you think, oh, I'm a grown man. I haven't done that in years. That's ridiculous. No, go ahead and do it. That'd be a great thing. And so instead of just thinking about it, go ahead and actually, actually do it. And so I just wrote a couple things down. So, so why don't you go ahead and just take your wife on a date? I think you should still date, just not other people, just date your spouse. But I think you should still take them out on a regular basis. In fact, I was talking to a young man the other day. He's on our staff. He's about to have a baby, him and his wife. And he said, do you have any advice for me? I said, I actually do. I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. I said, here's what I would do. I would set it up that after about a month of the baby already being here, when the baby's only a month old, maybe two months at the most, I know it seems really young, set up a date night once a week, have a standing babysitter that you pay them monthly in advance and tell them if we back out a date, you keep the money. Because that way, every time it comes around to Tuesday or Thursday or whenever you have your date night and she says, I'm so tired and you say, I'm so busy, guess what? You already pay for it. You'll end up going out. You'll be like, well, we already pay for it. So go out tired, go out busy but make sure you prioritize your marriage. And by the way, I know you're thinking, oh, but the baby will cry. I know that, but guess what? As they get older, they'll continue to cry. But the moment they close it, you close the door, they'll quit crying. <laughs> they're working you, mom. You say, but when they're so little, I know, but guess what? Your marriage is what created that baby. So you gotta keep that magic going, right? That's a big deal. When, when my kids get grossed out now, like Sophie's like, oh, gr dad, leave mom alone. She's so gross. I'm like, this is a magic that made you guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so it's okay. Keep that going. Grow some out a little bit. I'm fine with it. I mean, I know my kids right now are throwing up in their mouth watching the sermon. It's okay. I'm okay with that. It's a good thing. So act on those good intentions. I just wrote down a few things. So, so maybe for you to date now, maybe it's a two-day getaway. Just, just take them somewhere. It doesn't have to be expensive. You know, just, just go somewhere, just the two of you. Uh, maybe, maybe how about this? Maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm going to clean their car. Uh, maybe buy her flowers. Ladies, why don't you compliment him or thank him for when he does something for you? Or uh, maybe, guys, you get her door, write her a love note, uh, wear his favorite outfit, uh, fix stuff broken in your home as an act of love for them. You know, just little things like that. Just make sure you, instead of thinking about it, you actually act on it. Act on those good intentions. I want to give you two phrases that, that really hit this, nail this home. Here's the first one. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. To get what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. The second one is this. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Look at Revelation chapter two. Christ is talking to his church, the bride. So this applies to our marriages too. He says this. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. He was saying to the church, his bride, we've kind of lost our first love here. Remember when you used to come to church with all this passion, you lift your hand high and you'd be tears in your eyes saying, God, I just love you. I want to give you my whole life. Remember when you used to be like that with me? Remember when we had it that way? Get back to that. In the same way, I would say to you and your bride, men and women, I would say to both of you, you need to say, hey, you know what? Let's get back to those things we used to do. Get that passion back. That's how you do it, doing those same things. It says in James 4, 17, so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. We don't think about this as sinful, but I believe it is. If, if God puts something on your heart to do for the other and you don't do it, that's sinful. We think of sin as something you commit. Oh, I committed a sin. You can also omit doing the right thing, and that's sin. So I believe that if you never tell your wife she's beautiful, ladies, if you never compliment him, if you never are sending a little nice little text or love note, if you're never, that's sinful. This is someone that you're supposed to cherish. You committed to cherishing this person. So let's get to cherishing. Let's honor them. Let's make sure we do things for one another. So I just want to challenge you that, that when you have a good idea, a good intention, act on it. 
I remember one time I just had this idea. I was like, it'll be really cool if you know, we're going to go on a date night. Maybe instead of going home, I take her to a hotel. That'd be kind of cool. So we, we did this every once in a while. Uh, we would just rent a hotel room here in town. So if you ever see Pastor Bill at a local hotel room, leave me alone. <laughs> I got a little something I'm working on, all right? So I just want to encourage you. Do things like that. It's great. Just little simple things like that can be all the difference in the world. And don't always have to, look, mom, I know you're an amazing mom. That's great. You don't always have to take the kids with you. Okay? Vacation with the kids and vacation without the kids. Or I would like to say vacation from the kids. How about that one? <laughs> I love our kids, but my kids know I love mom more. Sophie used to ask me, she's like, do you love mommy more than me? I go, oh yeah, way more, baby. <laughs> what? But then she'd smile because kids need to know there's security that my mom and my dad love each other. It's a really big thing. And so it's a good thing for them to see that affection. It's good. My kids have caught mom and dad, you know, not caught, caught, thank God. That would require counseling for sure. But they have caught me showing affection to their mother a lot. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing. My, my wife sent me this. This is kind of funny, speaking of doing things for one another. Every woman's dream is that a man will take her in his arms, throw her into bed, and then let her sleep while he cleans the house. Yep, it's every woman's dream right there. That's the dream she has of the bedroom. That's really what the dream is. So, in case you're wondering. So here's another thing you can do. Number three, would you write this down? Make attending church a priority and this will improve your relationship. Did you know that? Just come to church. You say, well, I don't know why I improve my, well, look, what are we talking about right now? This is gonna help your marriage, I bet. I bet you're gonna go home and go, I'm gonna do something and it's gonna instantly make some things better. Just doing something simple, right? And so just thinking about the other person. Scripture says in, the, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. That means coming to church, as some people do, but encourage one another. When you come to church, it just simply makes you a better husband. It simply makes you a better wife. It simply makes you a better person, a better family member. It really does. So make attending churches a regular, a regular priority. In fact, here's how I know it really works. Because some of you have a rogue spouse right now. A spouse that's just blowing you off, not honoring the marriage, out with the friends instead of being with you, just not really doing, doing anything that they, that they committed to doing in their marriage. And here's what's funny about that. If you really think about it, I bet the one thing that they will give you the most resistance on ever going with you is where? Church. You know why? Because when you're in God's house, the Holy Spirit's here and he will convict someone of that. That's why they don't want to come. They're not going to say that, but that's why. Which, by the way, if that's you today, if, you're, if you've got that rogue spouse, maybe they're already a Christian, but they're not honoring God, or maybe they're not even a Christian, and they're a good person, and they love you, and they love the family, but they're not into the God thing. I want to challenge you. Here's how to approach them. Please do not preach at them anymore. That doesn't work. Don't preach at them. No one wants to be preached to, okay? And in fact, please don't go home and go, well, you know, Pastor Bill said this. And don't, please do not do that. Because you're actually building up resistance for them ever coming here. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Instead, your one bargaining chip should always be this. So when they say, oh, baby, I want a boat, or I want to go on this trip, I want to do this, or I want to buy this or that, whether it's a husband or a wife, either one, just say, oh, yeah, that's fine. They, oh, you're really okay with that? Oh, I'm okay with you do one thing. What's that? And then that's when you play your one chip. Just come to church with me. And here's why. And they'll be like, it's a bargain. I get a boat? All I got to do is go to church a couple of weeks? I mean, I get to go on this trip and, you know, this hunting trip or whatever, and all I got to, or, you know, I get to buy that dress and all he cares is if I come. You know why? What they don't know that we know is the power of the Holy Spirit. If he'll just get in the room, God will work. So just get him here. 
Just get them here. That's everything. You know why? Because we really believe that if you will get them into God's house, God will speak and move in their life in such a way. Many of you are examples of this, that God's powerfully changed your life just by showing up, just by being a part of the local house of God. And I think, listen, I'm a little biased. I think this is the best church in the world, but I think every pastor should feel that way about their church. So I openly say I'm biased, but I will tell you that I've seen God change so many lives here. I'm telling you, this works. This even works through a video screen right now. People go, well, it's kind of weird to be watching video screen. Is God moving right now in your life? Are you hearing new stuff? You know what, guys? I learned a long time ago, I'm not needed to be in the room. The Holy Spirit and his word needs to be in the room. It's working everywhere on screen all the time. And by the way, those you're watching the screen right now, half of the people in this room are looking at the screens. They're live in the room looking at the screen. You go to the Spurs game, guess what you're looking at? The screen half the time. Because somehow it's so far away that seven-foot-tall men look small. I don't know how they do that, but it's true. So the truth is, get over that. It's about being in God's house and God moving, and you're a part of a movement happening right now all across South Texas and beyond. So if you believe in what God's doing here, I want to challenge you with that. I want to challenge you on this belief. If you believe in it, then come regularly. Then begin to serve. Get involved in the life group. And I want to challenge you to give. You know, I, I talked to guys that are into golf. One time I went golfing. I used to have these clubs. I don't even have anymore. I got rid of them. They were so bad. But I went golfing, and the guy was like, hey, you want golf? I was like, you like golf? I was like, yeah, I like golf. I went clubbing. He looked at my golf clubs, and he goes, you don't like golf. <laughs> what? And he goes, dude, seriously? I was like, oh, is that bad? He goes, Bill, how much did you pay for those? I, I said, I didn't. My mom gave them to me. She got them at a garage sale. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. And he was like, bro, you, that, that's, that, that's bad. I was like, I mean, my bag was just old, dusty. It was really horrible. And I was like, you're right. I'm not really into golf because if I was, I'd put my money where my mouth is. Then I'd have you know, probably $1,000 clubs, which is pretty normal for a real big golfer, like someone who's really into golf. So I would say to you, you I know you come to church, you know, and that's cool, but if, if you never give, put your money where your golf clubs are. Are you really into this or, or not? You say you, you're into reaching people for Christ. We know for a fact, it's been proven over and over again, that when we get buildings up, it draws people in, just like you probably don't go to a restaurant until you see the building up with a name on it. And so there's just something about that. So we're not just building buildings, we're filling heaven, guys. In about a month, we have an offering. I want to challenge you. If you really believe in what we're doing, I want to challenge you to put your money where your mouth is. My wife and I have been saving for about six months preparing for an offering. We're going to give one of the largest gifts we've ever given to God. I'm very excited about it. It's an honor to do that. You said, well, don't you have bills? We've got tons of bills that I'm holding off on to give to God first. And I believe God will bless that. just want to challenge our people that call this your home to be praying right now. We're about a month out from that. And it's going to take some preparation for you to do something big for God. I want to challenge you to do that. As, Jen, as we just read in Revelation, remember your first love. Let's not just have good intentions. Let's act on them. I want to challenge you to be praying about what God would have you do. Also, by the way, those of you who are really hurting today, just want to shift out of that real quick and just say, maybe today you're like, okay, yeah, you're talking about like going on a date, going for a two-day little getaway, going do something cool. That all sounds great, Pastor, but honestly, if I went on a date with my husband or wife right now, we would just be fighting the whole time there. We're at each other's throats. So, I mean, that sounds all nice, but we are far from that. You know what? If that's you, be here next week. Next week, we're going to talk about what do you do when you feel like you're at your wit's end? When you're like, I don't even know if, if I'm going to be married in a year. Next week is for you. I promise you, you're going to leave with answers and hope. Please be here next week. It may be the most important message I share on relationship is next week. Don't miss it. Be here. Bring someone that you know that maybe needs that. And so just have them come in the door. Don't call them out. Hey, I know you need to. Don't do that. 
Just invite him and let God smack him in the face. You don't need to do the smacking. Let God do it. He's pretty good at it. And so just let him uh, touch their hearts in a, in a profound way. So be sure to be here next week and bring someone with you as well. You know, when you, when you do these kind of special things for your spouse, it, it's almost like an ATM machine, which you don't realize you're, do, you're making deposits in them. Let me tell you why that's important, because there's going to come a time when you accident, intentionally or unintentionally, really hurt them. And, and the danger is, if you haven't been making deposits all along, one thing can actually bankrupt your relationship. And so, but hopefully you've made so many deposits that if something really bad happened, you'd have so much deposit there that you could still cover the account. But this is why I have guys who show up at our church in tears on a Tuesday morning and be like, I went home and, and she wasn't there. And the kids and everything was packed. I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't know what I did. And, and they're, well, what have you done this life? There's nothing I've done. I said, okay, it wasn't from something you just did recently. Then it means that there was just no deposits for a long time. And so you don't realize it, but you bankrupted the account. There's just no relational equity there left because there was no depositing going on. So understand that it's not, just about, it's not just about doing something sweet and nice over and above. You may have a lower account than you think. So let's start making deposits in our relationship. Okay, I want to encourage you to do that. Last thing I want to say is this. This is kind of an interesting story at the end here that may not seem like it applies to our relationships, but it actually, it actually does. And here's, here's the one I want to mention. David in the Bible, King David. How many of you guys know who David is? Anyone know? Okay, so if you don't know, let me just tell you real quick. David was a shepherd boy that God had spoken to him that he was going to become king. Um, he ended up working in the king's palace as an assistant, like an intern, basically. He was a little harp player. He'd play music, basically, for the king when he wanted music. And so that's what he did. So he knew the king, but not really well. And then uh, his brothers were all off at war with Israel. They, get, they came up against the Philistines, which is not uncommon for them. There was one Philistine that was like their championship warrior named Goliath. You guys have probably heard that name. Goliath would taunt them and say, bring me one warrior and I'll fight him. That was a popular fighting style, right? And everyone killing each other. They would just have two guys fight to the death. And then whoever won, that, that, then, then they would have terms agreed upon it. If we win, we get this and we get that, right? Uh, all the way to the point of if we win, then we get to kill everyone. So it just, it just varied, but, but normally it was a lot less than that. They're like, yeah, I'd much rather just have you guys fight it out and we'll give you a dowry of money or whatever, right? And then no one has to die other than these two guys, okay? And so that's what would happen. So the Goliath's up there, he's taunting them. He's like, bring me one man, just one. No one will fight him. David shows up just to visit his brothers, just to bring him some food from his dad. He shows up and he's not in uniform. He's not even in the army. He's, he's like 15, 16 years old at the most. And so he shows up and he gets so mad. He's like, who is that guy? And they're like, that's Goliath. He's like, someone needs to kill him now. He keeps taunting our God and taunting Israel. Someone, and they're like, who is this kid? And so sometimes you don't know if a man is a man of war until he's in action. We have a lot of soldiers in our church. And so you know what I'm talking about. In action, suddenly some quiet little guy, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, he had, a lot, he had a warrior in him. We didn't know he had that. That was David. They're like, we had no idea. This little kid just was like, I'll take him right now. They're like, okay, calm down, man. He's like, no. So they bring him before the king. David gets all geared up, goes out, and he kills Goliath. Goliath's like nine foot tall. He's a giant. He kills Goliath. This propelled David from an obscure shepherd boy, no one knew, to the hero of Israel. And ultimately, through a series of events, he becomes king of Israel. So this is what all started it. But what most people don't know about the story is not only did David kill this giant, but his highlight actually became something that all of his soldiers that rallied around him when he became king began to kill giants too. Did you know that? Even his own children did. Let me show you the scripture. This is pretty cool. It says in 2 Samuel 21, Abishai, son of whoever, 
killed the Philistine. After this, there was another battle against the Philistine of Gob. Uh, Sibachai killed Saph, another descendant of the giants. Elhanan, son of Jair from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. So, you know, he's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, okay? And it says... But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimeah. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. So basically, what David did that was the highlight of his career became the habit of his army. They just thought it was normal. Said, oh, it's springtime. This is the time when all kings go out to war. Let's go out to war. What are you going to do? We're going to go kill giants today. What? It just, it just became like a normal thing for them. And so this is what I want to challenge you. You say, how in the world does this apply to my relationship? Here's how it applies. I want you to think right now to a time when you just killed giants, man. And your relationship was like, it was on. Just go back in your memory right now, a time when it was like the passion was insane. Think about a time when it was like, it was passion, romance. It was like kicking on all cylinders. You're like, it was awesome. Think about some of your favorite memories. You probably can't even share it with a friend. You know what I'm saying? Like your favorite memories. Now think about all that happened. It wasn't just a romantic time. There was, there was, some, there, there was a date. There was an evening. There was, some, there was planning. There was something that was, I mean, you went all out. Think about when it was just awesome. It was a highlight, wasn't it? Why don't you make that highlight a habit? There's a place that we take our kids and the whole family, we go to Florida. And we go there, not really for the kids. They, they'll go. They're cool with it. I'll go. I'm cool with it. But Jessica loves it. It's her favorite spot. And I know the things she likes to do, so I'm not stupid. I line all that up. And we all go do those things. And I know she, her heart is so full because she loves this one place that we go and the things we do that, man, let me tell you something, it goes well for Pastor Bill. <laughs> we have some great moments together. And guess what? I was like, where we go in Florida is so great for our whole family and everyone's having a good time. But I'm like, why would I not do that every year? Or as often as we can. We can't always afford to go every year, but we, got, we try to go as often as we possibly can. In the same way, there's some places I know my wife has favorite restaurants. And there's favorite places. Maybe, maybe for you, you have a memory of taking your spouse to the beach and just sitting and watching the sunset and just talking. Maybe if you were sitting in the backyard and having a conversation. Maybe, maybe ladies, a highlight you know for your husband is you make his favorite dish or you wear his favorite outfit. I don't know what it is for you, but there's some highlights that you have in your marriage Make your highlights a habit. If that favorite dish is his favorite, why don't you make it once a week? If that outfit is one of his favorites, why don't you wear that more often? Why if, if, if they love going to this restaurant, take them there once a week or, or, or every couple of weeks if it's really expensive. I understand that. But the point is, is that make, this is very important. Would you write this down? Make your relational highlights a habit. Let me tell you why you want to do that. Because everything else is coming at you that's negative is a habit. I mean, the mortgage comes around every 30 days, does it not? You got to pay the rent. You got to pay the bills. I promise you, teenagers are going to keep coming at you with problems and attitudes. It's going to happen. And so if all that's going to keep coming all the time and you've got all this constant negativity that's going to happen at some level of your life, then why don't you always have at least every other week or every week something great that's going to happen in your relationship? So that way, when you look at your marriage, when you look at it, you look at the whole body of work and you look at even when things go negative, you can say, but you know what? I remember last Tuesday. I remember where we were and what we did and it was great. So this may be a tough day today, but I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we had quite the moment. So you want to have those highlights more often. That is how you have instant relational change. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. Maybe you're single today and your prayer is to say, God, honestly, the pursuit 
that I'm in has not been equal. And I need to take a hard look at my relationship. Lord, speak to me. Show me what to do. This is a tough decision. I understand that. And you need to know this. You say, but, but Pastor, if I, if I make the hard call, I'll be alone. No, actually, this may be the first time you'll discover you've never been alone. God's been with you the whole time. Singles, would you commit to the Lord today to say, God, no matter what happens in my future, I will hold out for you, for who you have for me. Single, would you, would you commit to that? Would you lift your hand high to God and say, God, I'm going to wait for the one you have for me. I'm going to trust you. Thank you. Hands are going up all across our campuses right now. Thank you for trusting the Lord. He's got you. Maybe you're already in a relationship. Maybe you're married and you just say, God, I just want some of that passion back. I don't want to be selfish about it. I want to honor them. And just why don't you reach over and just squeeze a hand of the one you love right now and say, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to pursue you. It's a beautiful thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe that's what you do today is you, you just commit in prayer to one another and to God. Let's get some of that passion back. That's how you go the distance. Maybe today you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Talk about passion. Oh, he loves you so much, he came and died for you. He paid the price for your sin and for mine. You talk about acts of love. You talk about skipping intentions and going straight to action. That's Jesus. He died for our sin and rose again. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can pray and you can receive Christ right now. Pray this prayer with me. Across all of our campuses, we're going to say this together. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent of my sins. I pursue you from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.